Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome everybody to my independence report. And we are really lucky today. I've I gotta tell you, if you've been watching this podcast at all, you know that I've had a hell of a week. Uh, a really good week. I've had some wonderful guests on that have had terrific messages. One was a songwriter singer that is destined for greatness, if you don't mind my saying so. And and also some other folks, but today we wrap up the week with a tremendous author. She's the author of the book Perfect. And uh, her name is Julie, Judy Miller. Jeez, I wish I could read. That would be so helpful. Um, her name is Judy Miller. She's an award-winning author um, from Amazon, number one bestseller for the book, which the entire in, in the the title of the book is um, "Perfect: A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation." And uh, with that, uh, Judy. Welcome to the show. How are you? It's great to be here, Kevin. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome too. By the way, I in reading your in reading your profile, you were a CPA for 20 years. Most most CPAs that I know of um, think in terms of numbers and stuff, and not necessarily humanity and stuff. So <laughs> at one point in time, you either were misfit as a CPA or you had a change in your life. Which was it? Well, you know, it was actually the perfect profession for me at the time. Oh, that's a surprise. That never happens. <laughs> and I'd love to share with you as we go through the interview why that was so. Exactly. So so first of all, how are you today? I'm doing great. Just because I'm here with you. Oh, see, now, 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 now you're going to make me blush. Um, <laughs> it is so exciting to talk to someone like you because... I think that a lot of us go through a transformation or a point in life where things that used to make sense don't anymore and that you need to look for a deeper meaning to things and a way of figuring things out. That ha that's kind of your story, isn't it? That is absolutely my story. So let's talk about uh, you were you were a happy uh, mother and husband or wife and had a husband and and uh, how many kids do you have? I have two. You have two and and you were a CPA and you were happily working along until something happened. What happened? Until something happened. But maybe if I could just back up a little bit. You may. <laughs> you may do anything you like. So right now in this moment in time, I'm definitely happy more fulfilled. And um, I wasn't always that way. So Kevin, you know, I don't know about you, but for most of my life, I felt different. I felt unworthy. I felt like I didn't fit in. And those feelings literally plagued me for most of my life. I was actually born in Trinidad and I moved to the U.S. when I was very young and I didn't look like other people in my neighborhood. And this is not about race or discrimination. I just didn't look like other people. I was also born with 11 fingers. People often ask me how many I have now. I have 10. 
But I also could sense and feel different energies at night. And I was terrified of the night because I was also terrified of being assaulted. And these feelings literally plagued me for most of my life. So as you mentioned, I started my career as a CPA and it was the perfect profession at the time because it was so left brain and made so much sense when the rest of my life made absolutely no sense. So, Kevin, then I went and I graduated from the Harvard Business School Executive Leadership Program, and I went to work as a finance director for some of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world. But, Kevin, no matter what I did, it was never enough. I felt like I was nothing. But you know what I learned? I learned that in the nothingness, we could be anything that we wanted. When we drop our stories, our labels, and judgments, we could emerge as our true and authentic selves. Well, you know, you're going to get this because a lot of people don't because I, I, I use this occasionally and uh, um, I really believe it. You're, it, it when, I, when I say to somebody, Judy, your life is empty and meaningless. And they say, oh, what do you mean it's empty and meaningless? And then I say, well, it's empty. So you get to fill it up with whatever you want. Mm -hmm. and, it, uh, um, and it's meaningless until you assign meaning to it. Oh, I love that, Kevin. You know, I often, you know, I often feel the nothingness or the void, but in that nothingness and in that void, everything actually exists. And it feels like a void because there is nothing missing. And what it's waiting for is that spark of creation from us to create what we truly desire. Oh, I wish I'd said that. That's really beautiful. I was inspired by what you said. <laughs> Because it, it, and so you were now tell me there was a dark part um, that you yeah. were scared of being assaulted. And, and where did that come from? Do you have any idea? So would it be okay if I kind of gave you and your listeners kind of an overview of the story and where this darkness came from? Absolutely. So like many children, I had fears. I don't know if you had fears as a child. Oh, yeah. Um, one of them, mine, one of mine was drowning, but I was also, as I mentioned before, terrified of the darkness and terrified of being assaulted. So as you can imagine, these feelings were extremely confusing as a child. So every night I would literally be terrified of going to bed. I would crawl under the covers. I would pull the covers over my head and I would literally recite the Lord's Prayer over and over again until exhausted, I would fall asleep. And Kevin, this was the only life that I'd ever known. And it continued well into my 20s. As I mentioned, I started as a CPA. So here I was going to a very traditional job, traditional lifestyle, but then coming home terrified of what I couldn't explain. And, you know, oftentimes people ask me, what does it feel like? And, and if you've never felt true terror, the closest thing that I can think of, and it falls way short, is if somebody jumps in front of you unexpectedly, what happens? Your heart starts to race. Maybe you can't even breathe or move. And for most people, it maybe lasts a couple of seconds. But for me, it literally could last for hours. Oh, that, was, that would be horrible. But this is all that I knew. And then I actually met my husband at work. He's a CPA also. And uh, I know there's a lot of jokes about CPAs. What? Okay. I know this is a bad joke, but what happens when two CPAs get together? <laughs> they multiply. They multiply. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to share that. <laughs> Hold on. There you go. <laughs> So we had two kids. We had two incredible children. And in the exhaustion of raising two incredible kids, commuting three hours a day to work and working 40 to 50 hours a week, at least in that exhaustion, the terror stopped. The energy stopped. The subtle whispers, the visions, they all stopped. But then my kids grew up and they went off to college and then the house became silent. 
And in that silence, Kevin, everything returned. The visions, the energies, the subtle, the subtle whispers, they all returned. And I would wake up in the middle of the night terrified. And soon my husband and I both began to lose sleep. I would tiptoe around my house, afraid of who or what I might bump into. And this really wasn't a way to live. And around the same time, I actually started to bleed uncontrollably month after month. And my, my doctor was afraid I would actually hemorrhage to death. So I had a hysterectomy and I was terrified of this surgery. And I really couldn't understand why, because I'd worked in the healthcare industry, as I mentioned, for so many years. I do trust modern medicine, but it felt like the same terror that I had as a child and the same terror that returned to me as an adult. So a very good friend of mine recommended that I read a book called Light Emerging by Barbara Brennan. And Barbara was a former NASA physicist, and she studied actually the human energy field. And what she learned, she was actually able to heal people with her hands. And I had never ever heard of anything like that coming from this, you know, CPA accounting world. So literally days before my surgery, I was Googling healers near me. And as I sat across from my healer for that very first time, Kevin, I'm extremely auditory. And I heard the click of a lock, like my entire life was locking into place. And I know it sounds a little strange, but at the time I didn't know the role that that healer actually played in my family's history. So my healer helped me heal after my surgery. And in the subsequent months, we actually started to explore this terror of the night. And I never mentioned to her the fear of being assaulted. So she introduced me to so many new things. She introduced me to a concept, past lives. And I know that you had her, you know, you've had guests on that talk about past lives, but she introduced me to the work of, you know, Dolores Cannon, Dr. Michael Newton, Dr. Brian Weiss. And Dr. Brian Weiss was a very prominent psychiatrist and he had a patient named Catherine, who had these fears and phobias unexplained, just like me. And quite by accident, during the hypnosis, he was actually able to take her back and discover where those fears came from. And by understanding where the fears came from, she was actually healed. So I had never heard something like that. It was truly amazing. And then my healer started to talk to me about, you know, things that we inherit from our parents. So Kevin, you know, we inherit so many things from our parents through our DNA the color of our hair, the color of our skin, the shape of our nose. But we also started to talk about the science of epigenetics. And epigenetics tells us that we actually inherit the pain and the trauma from our parents. And they've shown with Holocaust survivors that these survivors, the pain and the trauma that they faced in their bodies actually got passed down to their children and their grandchildren. And there's been recent studies where They've done, scientists have done studies with mice where they introduce the smell of cherry blossoms to these mice, and then they would gently zap the mice on the feet. Well, Kevin, as you can imagine, after a while, just the scent of cherry blossoms would trigger that same fear and panic in these, in these mice. But what I found more amazing was that the mice's children and their children, just the scent of cherry blossoms would trigger the same fear that their father had, even though they were never exposed to the father and they were never exposed to the zapping. Yikes. So, yeah, interesting. So on my journey, what we learned was that the fear and the trauma that I faced wasn't mine. It was actually a cellular memory from my mother. I never knew that my mother was attack attacked as a 12-year-old child. And, and Kevin, what they've shown is that scientists say that every female baby is born with two to three million of their reproductive eggs at birth. So for much of your mother's young life, you were actually in there 
as an unborn egg. So all the triumphs and the traumas that she experienced, you also experienced on a cellular level. And recently I saw this amazing picture. It was, it was a hand drawing of a grandmother, a pregnant grandmother. And inside of the grandmother was the mother, the fetus. And inside of the fetus was the two to three million eggs. So in some circumstances, in some respect, you were actually experiencing a lot of the things that not only your mother did, but also your grandmother. Oh my. <laughs> That's boy, when you look at it that way and you put a little science behind it and you've done some research on it, it makes it makes an amazing amount of sense, doesn't it? And it's interesting because some of the some of the trauma that we carry, some of the pain, the judgments, the stories may not even actually originate from us. It actually may originate from our ancestors. We don't even know where they come from. But you know, Kevin, my story doesn't end there. Um, there's actually a shocking connection to that very healer. I trusted to heal me. And in that moment of revelation, I could have felt fear. I could have felt anger. I could have felt betrayal, but I didn't. All I felt was the love and the perfection of the universe. I actually saw how all of our souls are interconnected across lifetimes, how we could truly never get it wrong and how we're always given the opportunity to heal. Um, so this is the reason actually why I wrote Perfect, because in that moment, as I mentioned, I could have created a story that would haunt me for the rest of my life, but I didn't. Instead, I chose to see the miracle in the situation and the miracle in every moment of life. That's phenomenal. That, that is, you know, <clears throat> there aren't very many people that I can say, yeah, I'm going to have her do my taxes, and she's very <laughs> spiritual. <laughs> And, and has a great understanding. And, and because of, see, what I really love about what you do is and who you are or who you've become is that, that not only are you, you're, you're, you're left-brained, but you're right-brained, and so you, you can put it all together. So you have a clear understanding, and you have a scientific background, so you can help some of us understand, because I believe exactly what you're saying to be true, but I can't articulate it the way you can, which is why you're a best-selling author and I'm not, I suppose. Um, but, but at the same time, it, it's remarkable what, what no, well, I have to ask you, when all this was happening and this was changing for you, what did your husband say? My husband was extremely supportive. Um, as I mentioned, he was a CPA, so a lot of it he did not explain, but he just trusted. He trusted the experience that I was going through, and I'm eternally grateful for that. So getting back to the other, the, the other thing, is, so I have always said that there is a cycle, seven-generation cycle. Mm -hmm. It has to be broken at one point in order to break that cycle of whatever the dysfunction is that goes from generation to generation. You're sitting here telling me that I'm actually right about that. And Go ahead. Kevin, absolutely perfect. You know, certain indigenous cultures believe that when we heal, we actually heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. Wow. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> See, you're handy to have around. Can I put you like in my calculator <laughs> pocket and just take you with me when I have an interview to do and stuff? Because it, it, it really is. So the, what was the point when you said, because for me, there was a point when I said, this can't be all there is. There has to be more. I want to understand more because this can't be it. Um, when was that point for you or did you have that point? So, you know, it's interesting because 
I just shared with you my story, but what happened is I got a new understanding and appreciation for life and an appreciation for the stories that we create about our lives. So one of the things that I actually teach people is how to let go of the stories that no longer serve us. So Kevin, you know, a lot of the stories we create in our head is not necessarily true, right? Oh, absolutely. So, so before I got on the show with you, I could have felt a dryness in my throat. My heart could have been racing. My stomach could have been fluttering. I could have labeled those sensations as nervousness. But Kevin, I could have just labeled those sensations just as easily as excitement because those sensations in my body feel exactly the same. As humans, we have a choice over the stories we create or don't create. I keep telling uh, my listeners, and I've done this on a number of occasions, that that the, there was a story that I carried with me that was told to me when I was six years old by a six-year-old boy. And I took it as truth. And it's not fair to that boy, and it's not fair to me, that I would take a six-year-old's word that he had, that he knew the scope of life and what I was like, and because you can't, you can't do that. You can't take somebody's story like that. You have, to, you have to create your own story, right? Mm -hmm. And those stories that we create as six-year-old boys and girls, oftentimes what happens, they live in our subconscious or they become issues in our tissues. They get lodged in our bodies and we need to let them go. Exactly what you said. How do you let them go? Somebody <laughs> Somebody's asking that question that's in the audience. How do you let them go? Well, I've tried for years. I, I hear this all the time. I've tried for years and years, and I can't let that go. And why should I? Because I'm mad or whatever. The, the reason is that they can't let it go. How do you let it go? Well, there's different steps that I use. I like to use an acronym called NEST, N-E-S-T. And there's different ways of letting go of stories. But before I go through Nest, I'd like to share another um, story with you. So Please. Angelise Arian is a cultural anthropologist. And she said that it's important to share our stories with loving and supportive people because we are social animals, right? Correct. But in these indigenous cultures, you're only allowed to share your story three times. If you, sh I'm trying to figure out how to fit in the screen. You can only share your story three times. <laughs> no, you're fine. Because if you share your story more than three times, it becomes your identity. And then you become too afraid to let go of it, right? So in these indigenous cultures, they hang you over a cliff if you report, if you record, if you repeat your story more than three times, your negative stories that no longer serve you until you're ready to let go of the story and see the wisdom in the situation. Oh, my goodness gracious. So if you ever have those negative stories that repeat over and over, just think about hanging over that cliff. <laughs> it might encourage you to just let them go. So, <laughs> you know, that, that is so true. And and um, in, and in deadly all seriousness, uh, my mother-in-law was adopted. She was adopted when she was uh, in 1930. Uh, her mother, as it, they found out years later, was a 16-year-old girl. Uh, had no means, and dad, her father, just managed to just bring her home one day. It was kind of like you in those days you could buy a child like you buy a puppy today. Um, and she spent her entire life, all 87 years of it, saying, I'm adopted. Nobody loves me. That mm -hmm. became her primary motivation. Her primary story that she told herself was that because I'm adopted, 
i.e. nobody loves me, nobody cares. And so she divorced herself from her entire adopted family because they couldn't really love me because I'm adopted. And so it ruined, it really, it really left an imprint in her whole life that she couldn't get rid of um, because she didn't have someone like you who could make it so plain and so obvious that that was a story that she was telling herself that she, it didn't even belong to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it affected her entire life. And I, if anything that I can get out of the, the work that you do and the work that I'm doing is that to teach, to help people realize that you can do anything. Mm-hmm. You can create anything that you choose. Yeah. It's up to you. And if you choose something crappy, guess what? You chose it. Mm-hmm. So it, you can. Do you agree? I absolutely agree with what you say. You know, Kevin, when we drop our stories, our labels, and our judgments, we actually experience every moment as if it's for the first time because it's a new experience. We don't have a story, a judgment, or a label about it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we enjoy watching children so much because every moment is a new moment. Oh, well said. Well, well said. So tell tell me about the book. What what did what decided? Oh, did you did you want to learn about Nest? Yeah, I want to learn. Well, I, we I've only got <laughs> you know, I've only got so much time, and I want to learn about it all because you are there. I I in our short time together. By the way, I need to tell my audience that in often cases I'm doing so many of these. I've done this is my eleventh for the week, and I did eleven last week. I don't have a great deal of time to research people. Um, so a lot of the times I go into these interviews cold with a little bit of, you know, I read your, 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 the thing that you sent me, which is your bio, which is really cool and stuff. And it's, and it's really awesome. But oftentimes I get, I get feelings from people that are doing some incredible work. And I feel like that I've known you for like a long time. Uh, even though I've known you for, uh, 21 minutes and 59 seconds, (laughs) But, but you are you are sensational, and and I want to learn everything that you know, um, because it's vital, it's valuable for the for the planet. Kevin, that's so nice of you to say, and you have such an open and expansive heart, and just sharing so much hope and wisdom uh, with the planet. So it's a it's an honor to be here. Well, I thank you for that. But but I, it's more <laughs> so we can sit here and no, <laughs> it's more of an honor for me to be. be and so anyway, but but. Tell us, tell us the rest of the story. So, uh, so nest, because yeah. there's all different aspects of the story. So nest, just really simple. The first one is to notice, to notice our thoughts. So many of us actually operate on autopilot. Kevin, did you know we had 60,000 thoughts a day? And 95% of them are the same ones you had yesterday and the day before, and that 80% of them are negative. Are, is that, is that why my mother keeps talking to me in my brain? I don't know, maybe. (laughs) But, you know, thousands of years ago when we had to hunt and gather for food, it was critical that we noticed and remembered the negative aspects of a situation because it was critical for our survival. But we no longer live in that reality. So we need to change the way that we approach our thoughts. So between stimulus and response, there's a gap. And in that gap, exactly like you said, we have a choice, right? We could flick off that thought before it becomes fully ingrained in who we are. So I encourage people, as soon as you have that negative thought that doesn't serve you, flick it off, okay? And then the one that's most important for me is the E, is to experience our emotions in our bodies. So instead of asking why in our heads and creating a story that may or may not be true, ask where in your body do you actually feel it? 
and really experience and feel that emotion in your body and then let it go. So Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight. And she was a Harvard neuroscientist who was actually able to cure herself from traumatic brain injury. But Kevin, you know what I got out of it? Her 90-second rule. She says that when an event happens, either good or bad, it literally takes us 90 seconds to process that event through our bodies and then let it go. And then after those 90 seconds, it's up to us. It's up to us whether or not we hang on to it. It's up to us whether or not we create a, an empowering story or a disempowering story. It's up to us whether or not we come from hate or from fear. So I invite you next time you have that contracted feeling, and again, it could be an event that's happening right now, or it could be an event or something that somebody said to us when we were six years old. When we think about it and we experience it, where do you feel it in your body? Breathe gently into that area. And oftentimes, Kevin, an image or memory may come to you. And in that image or memory, what were you saying to yourself? And oftentimes it feels like you're making it up. It feels like you were younger or maybe even in a different lifetime or your ancestor's lifetime. What, were you, what was stressful in that moment? What were you saying to yourself, right? So number one, you're acknowledging that sensation probably because most of us don't acknowledge our sensations in our bodies. We think instead. We're also giving that younger version of ourselves an opportunity to speak. Maybe they didn't have an opportunity to express what they were feeling. So in the example with your mother, maybe she didn't have an opportunity to express that she didn't feel like she belonged, right? And then by saying simple forgiveness recipes or prayers, then you can start to let it go. So, you know, um, the subtitle to my book, Perfect, is called A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. And forgiveness for me is just letting go of the contracted negative stories and energies that no longer serve us. It's not about condoning the actions of another person. It's letting go of the negative energies so we can move forward. So that's the E. The S is to scratch the record, right? So when you have that negative thought that plays over and over, what's your cancel word? What's your stop word? For me, it's squash. So when I have that negative thought, I think of myself squashing it like a bug. So come up with something for yourself. Some people like to put rubber bands on their wrist and zap themselves. And I believe, <laughs> and I believe that works because it gets you out of your mind and back yeah. into your body where sensations are truly meant to be felt. And the, the last one in Scratch the Record, I learned from Tony Robbins. And he teaches to do something so zany and crazy that you can't play that story over again. So, Kevin, when I get into an argument with my husband, whoever remembers first will reach over and grab the other person by the nose. So, Kevin, if you were having an argument with someone and you grabbed their nose, what would happen? <laughs> You're laughing right now. I'd probably have to duck because I was about to be punched. But, I, yeah, I don't know. That's Right, right. So, but, but, or what if, and, and the zany or the crazy or the better because it disrupts your story. So, if you're having an argument with someone, what if you quacked like a duck or spoke with a British accent? So, I invite you, you know, you know the stories that you repeat. Come up in advance of what you're going to do that's so zany and crazy that you can't repeat the story. Right. That is the so that that is so awesome because that you're right. Do we we tend to repeat and repeat and repeat 
and repeat the same stories over and over again. And none of it makes any difference. None of it matters because it's, you know, um, but I have to ask you a couple things. Number one is when you're having all these thoughts, I don't know about you. I suspect you do, but when you're having all these thoughts, I also have intermixed with all these thoughts. I have things that are brought to me that I had no idea that I was even going to think about it um, from, I believe to be the other side from my guides and my parents and my, or my dad and, and stuff like that. Do you experience that as well? Um, in terms of divine guidance? Yes. I know that when I sit still and listen, I believe we all can tap into our divine guidance, but we're so busy doing that we're not truly being and tapping into our higher self and our higher knowing. <laughs> it's, it's funny. When I first started on, since you brought that up, since we first, when I first started on this journey, I listened to a guy by the name of Neil Donald Walsh. I read his book, Conversation with God. Mm -hmm. And and uh, in one chapter of the book, it's either that one or the second one. He says we are not human doings; we are human being human beings. So what? So you cannot accomplish what you want by doing. You accomplish what you want by being. I said this to a guy who's from um, Boston, and um, with with his Boston attitude, he's like, "What are you talking about? You can't do it. You gotta do stuff. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. If you don't do this, you're not gonna get that." And it's like, no, you gotta be first. What the hell do you mean, B? You got so we had this long argument about the B, B do have paradigm, which mm -hmm. is a, are you a human doing or a human being? And are you, are, if you be happy, things will be happy for you. If mm -hmm. if you if you be loving, if you be caring, if you be all of those things that we that we would like to be, you can you it changes who you are fundamentally, doesn't it? Absolutely, because I believe that our outer projection, our outer experience in life is just a reflection of the inner things that we hold. So when we let go of the contraction, the energy, and come from a place of love, of happiness, our experience in life actually changes. So how do you now, let's talk about forgiveness a little bit, because forgiveness, um, what do you say to somebody who says, I can't forgive him. He had, he, he had went outside the marriage and, and stuff. And I, I, I'll never forgive him for that. What would you say to someone like that? So I have two, two, two answers to that. Um, the first one is, um, actually, can I respond with the Neil Donald Walsh example? Exactly. Since you, since you brought it up. So Neil Donald Walsh wrote a children's book called Little Soul in the Sun. And he took one of the tenets from the conversations with God and he made it into a children's book. And I used to read it to my kids all the time. But even though it's a children's book, I find it profound. So in it, in heaven, everything is perfect. We can't experience our perfection because there's no opposite. We can't experience light without darkness. We can't experience cold without hot, etc. So in this book, there is a little soul that wants to experience forgiveness but there's nothing to forgive, right? So he asks all the other angels to help him, but nobody wants to help him. Nobody wants to do the unthinkable, right? And then finally, this angel of light comes forward and says, I will help you. I will do something so atrocious that you will learn unconditional love and you will learn how to forgive. And the little soul says, why would you do that? And the angel of light says, I will do it because I love you. But when we come to earth, in that moment when I strike you, 
Please remind me because I'll be pretending so hard to be what I'm not, I may have forgotten. So Kevin, whenever something happens and we feel contracted, maybe if we took a different perspective, maybe we realized that that person that did something to us was that angel of light that volunteered and raised their hand because nobody else wanted to help you learn your lesson. And it just gives you a different perspective on life. It, it really does. Because uh, when you, you, you brought up two of my favorite people, Neil Donald Walsh being one, Michael Newton being another one. Um, the, the story of, of, of my, my deal was that uh, I felt like there wasn't enough, that I didn't know enough. And so we went to a friend's house and I was, and they were, as it turns out, having the same conversation. It was like, there seems to, there needs to be more. Why isn't, and so my friend said to me, why don't you do this? Why don't you go to a metaphysical bookstore and buy the first book that speaks to you? Mm-hmm. And Michael Newton's book, Journey of Souls, had been out six months. Mm-hmm. And I walked up to it, and, and it spoke to me, and it said, "You must buy me." And so I did. Then I read, <laughs> then I read the other ones, and it all the, the, that kind of made it made all sense to me that that everything that we do here is of a negative nature is silly and, and pointless because that's not who we are. Mm-hmm. That's not how we should live our lives. Yeah, and uh, you know. It made me think of what you just said, a quote by Byron Katie. And I, I know that I might get it a little off, but basically she said, suffering is when we think what happened shouldn't have. So we're not condoning the actions that may have hurt someone. We're not saying it's good or it's bad, but the events of life are going to happen. And our suffering is us saying that it shouldn't have and hanging on to that feeling that it shouldn't have. So I truly believe our free will is how we actually experience the event of life, the events of life that are going to happen no matter what. And again, I want to make it very clear. I'm not condoning the actions of another person. It's our reaction to the events that are often the most dangerous parts of the event. Sometimes we hold on to events that are negative or bad. And there's some pretty horrific things that have happened out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, we hold on to them, which only magnifies them over time. Right. And it makes it worse. It makes it worse for us. Yeah. And Nelson Mandela said, resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. So, so forgiveness, it's the same thing. It's us hanging on to it, believing that we're punishing somebody else. But the only person we're punishing is ourselves. Holy crap! I have to start writing some of this stuff down. Fortunately, it's going to be it's going to be recorded, so so I can go back and listen to it because this is this is really good stuff. This is this is amazing things. Now, what decided you? I'm going to get to your book, whether you like it or not. Uh, no, what decided you to write the book? Because I felt different, unworthy, incomplete most of my life, and I realized that I don't have to live that way. And I see so many people who struggle, and they don't have to live that way either. It's amazing to me that, well, no, it's not, because most people don't think in terms of, they think in terms of we are stuck here, we don't have the ability to change things, things happen to us, and we can't fix it, and we can't change it. It, It's a very unempowering feeling when people are feeling that way. How do you help them empower themselves to feel differently. 
Right. So, you know, once you change your perspective, you can no longer look at life the same way, right? So right. if events of life are going to happen, again, our free will is how we choose to look at that. It's our free will whether or not we hang on to it. It's our free will whether or not we come from a place of love or separation, right? And everything, and I know based on the speakers that you've had on your show, everything in life is energy. Oh, yes. And, you know, I have some very simple exercises in my book to get the energy moving. I believe one of our greatest responsibilities in life is to make our energies flow. Because when our energy doesn't flow, it gets stuck, it gets stagnated in our bodies, it becomes illnesses, etc. Right? And I found out that when I felt stuck and stagnated in my life, it was because my energy wasn't moving. So because we're energetic beings, we need to move. Kevin, we need to move that stuck energy. And then also, we are the creator. We are the creators of our life. So we need to actually be creative. And, you know, I play classical guitar, but, you know, you could do whatever makes you feel joy. Maybe it's painting, dancing, singing. And what I discovered, Kevin, it doesn't even have to be that complicated. We make things so complicated. You could be creative in how you prepare dinner how you decorate your homes. We know that teenagers love to be creative in the way that they dress, right? So because, <laughs> yeah. yes, because we are a creative life force, it's so important to create. And like I said, one of our greatest responsibilities is to move the energy so our thoughts don't get stuck, our energies don't get stuck. Um, for most of my life, I actually struggled with finding my voice because my mother as a child was told she could never speak of what happened to her and that was passed down to me and my healer told me to go and sing so here i am a cpa making presentations i would sneak out into the parking lot get into my car turn on the radio and start singing at the top of my lungs get back out of the car sneak back into the office and do my presentations and what i found is my hope my my, my throat chakra opened up my other chakras opened up and just the forward momentum and that energy, I was actually able to speak and find my voice. But you know what they say, Kevin, our throat chakra is not just about finding our voice or being able to hear what other people are saying. Our throat chakra has a lot to do with manifesting what we desire into the world. So I encourage people go out and sing, even if you can't, because I'm tone deaf. <laughs> well, well and, and the other thing is I find in in my world and uh, tell me about it how it works for you is that I, I, things will just happen and I take I try and take the 50,000 foot view and you know what that is mm -hmm. that, um, for those that don't most of the time we're walking in a forest we get to see the tree in front of us and we get to see the tree behind us we don't have any idea what's going on on forward but we know we need to keep walking and that's all we know and so we keep going when you pull back to 50,000 feet which is where our higher self lives and where it in and our our guides and all those folks they can map out what we're doing because they can see where we're going and they can help us go in the right direction to move a little bit so that we get to where the 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 meadow with the with the lake and stuff that the, the we want to go it's available for us because we can do it if we if we just continue to move forward and trust that everything's going to work out fine. Mm. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with you. And can I share a story that illustrates exactly what you just said? 
Yes, ma'am, please. So have you ever heard of the uh, the fable, the, uh, the farmer and his horse, the Taoist fable? Uh, remind me. So this farmer has this horse and it's his prized possession. And one day the horse runs away and then the neighbors come over and say, how unfortunate. And the farmer says, maybe. And then the next day, the horse actually returns with 12 wild horses that the farmer can train. And then, of course, the neighbors come back over and say, how fortunate. And the farmer says, maybe. And then the next day, the farmer's son falls, breaks his legs, trying to train one of these wild horses. And then the neighbors come back over and say, how unfortunate. And guess what the farmer says? Maybe. <laughs> And then the next day, the army comes through town to include into to um, hmm, I just forgot the word to uh, enlist all eligible eligible men into the army, and the farmer's son was spared because of his broken leg. And then the neighbors come back over and say, "How fortunate!" And of course, the farmer says, "Maybe." So the story can go back and forth like this forever. But the farmer refuses to label the events of life as either good or bad. And he's, it's much easier for him to weather it because he's not labeling it. And when he's able to take that thousand foot view, life becomes so much more easier. Oh, it does. It does. I, I, I and I've told this story incessantly, but I got to tell you because you you don't haven't heard it yet. Um, and that and that is, I started this podcast in 2019, and I really wanted. I had a radio show years ago called Positive Talk Radio, and I really wanted to re reconstitute, recreate that. And uh, I was also a bus driver for King County Metro, so I was working 50 hours a week as a bus driver. So I could put old. I put some old shows up on the podcast and started to develop it a little bit over time. Time. And I said to myself, and by by the way, ladies and gentlemen, be careful about what you say to yourself because it could come true. Uh, because I was, um, I said, you know, I really need to get my life in order so I can do this on a on a more regular basis. And so I was out with my son, and we went to a fifty-five plus uh, mobile home community, and I found the home that I'm living in now, and I love it. And it's half of what I was paying before, and so that was check one. But I was still working full time, and so I was moving into this place, and I was still saying to myself, I really would like to do more podcasts because it's starting to grow, and more people are starting to listen to it. And so I really would love to do more of these. How am I going to do it? Because I've got to work, I've got to make a living, and so I was walking into my house, and I fell, and I tore my rotator cuff. Had mm -hmm. to have surgery on my rotator cuff, and if that wasn't enough, two months later I had to, I, I fell again and had to have surgery on my other elbow, and uh, so I was in the the uh, doctor's office and I heard the people talking on the other side because I had this one in a in a crutch and this one in a cast, and they're going, "Oh, poor man, poor man, look at what's happened to him. He's 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 a mess." And my thought was, "Holy crap! I get to do more podcasts." <laughs> absolutely and and it was like my it was like a dream had been answered mm -hmm. and because that was what i put out there and they said well okay and then they made it possible for me to do it so as far as i'm it's that's that's my interpretation how would you interpret that story you know i believe that uh <laughs> like you said life is always serving us so there is definitely a benefit in what happens and sometimes we don't see it because we're too close to it or we're judging it yes and it's, it's we, speaking of judgment, why are we so judgmental? Oh, I have to say something, though. You commented that you used to drive a bus. Yes. One summer, <laughs> I drove a bus as well. And I have to tell you, backing up a bus is and parking a bus in reverse is one of the hardest things to ever do. 
Yes, and which is why uh, I work for King County Metro, and they have like three thousand bus drivers. You must have been the school bus driver. Mm. That yeah, and I, I I worked for the city. They don't teach us how to back up. They say if you have to back up, you have to call somebody because we're not going to teach you how to do that because you're going to break something or you're going to run into something. Exactly. They say most accidents happen backing up a bus. So don't back up. <laughs> That's exactly right. So they said <laughs> if you go the wrong way and you can't turn around, you back up, you, you can't back up, call somebody and they'll have somebody come out and save us. But uh, but it, it was an interesting uh, um, uh, career and it taught me a lot about human nature and about people. And I, I, I care about people more now than I ever, even though some of the people I used to deal with are not, they're the 3% at the bottom of the of the group. But then even they have got, let me ask you this, because Neil Donald Walsh and others will say, and I know some of the spiritual people that you've talked to will say, it is people that are homeless, people that are in that, that's something that they've planned for themselves, or it's part of their 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 journey to to experience these certain things. Do you agree with that? I do believe that when we come here, we come here with certain experiences that we want to experience. I do believe that, you know, based on that story I told you, Little Soul in the Sun, I believe contrast creates the clarity. Contrast creates the clarity that we're looking for. So as another example, so sometimes when something happens, a negative thing happens, I tell you to feel it in your body, right? So now when I have a contraction in my body, I actually say thank you. And the reason I'm saying thank you is because it's my body's infinite intelligence telling me that I need to heal something. So Kevin, I believe that the world is contracting right now um, with our relationships, our political systems, natural disasters, COVID-19. There's so much contraction happening. But I believe it's the universe's way of saying, now it's time for us to all heal. I couldn't agree more with that. Because that, if we will all work together, come together as one, as, as I learned that from Neil Donald Walsh and, and many others at this point, that we're all one, we're the same energy. We come from the same place. We all want the same things. We all want to be happy. We want happy families and stuff. And we can work together to change the world. And I think the universe is making it like, okay, guys, you've you've kind of created a situation here where change is going to have to be a necessity that you're going to have to live with or deal with. Mm -hmm. You can't hide it anymore. Yeah, and Kevin, to your, your point before, what happens when tragedies happen? People, communities rally around together as one often for one cause, together, right? And with COVID-19, I've never seen so many nations and people rally around to find a cure. Yep, yep. And we're also finding that the air is cleaner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and our world is, is, is progressing in a different way because we are, we're interacting differently. Mm -hmm. I think people are taking more more joy in interacting because this is all we got. We can't, we can't, we can't shun each other anymore. You can't hug anybody either, but mm -hmm. you know, you need to work together to try and make, make the world a better place. See, now here you go. You get me on my soapbox and then we should be talking about you and your soapbox. So, Oh, I love to hear what you say, <laughs> but you know, when COVID-19 happens, I think a lot of people started to be grateful for the little things that they took for granted. 
you know, being able to hug other people, to be able to go out without a mask, to be able to go get your Starbucks without worrying about, you know, what you might get. We took so many things for granted that during COVID-19, we gain a different perspective and appreciation and gratitude for things that perhaps we neglected. And probably did neglect. Yeah. Um, so what do you, tell me about the future for you. What does it hold? Do you have another book in you? Are you writing? <laughs> you know, um, I, I do want to write. I do want to continue to write. But uh, right now I've just been focusing really on sharing the message and touching as many people as I can. I do also coach as well. And if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's your website? The best way is Judy with an I. Exactly have you written here. So it's Judy, J-U-D-I Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R.net. Um, I have a free ebook called Awaken the Creator Within, totally free to your listeners. So please get that. All my social media handles are there. And if you want uh, to reach out to me, my email is there as well. It's really easy. Judy at JudyMiller.com. So don't forget net net sorry oh not dot net sorry about that um <laughs> that's because there's so many judy millers <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there's only one judy miller mm. and that's and that's you it, it's it's remarkable she's a best-selling author please go get her book perfect it will it tells her story it's like an, it reads like a uh, a fiction auto or a, a fiction autobiography Autobiography is what they said. <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, uh, but it, it re, it's got a great read to it. It's got a wonderful message to it, and uh, I, I just I'm just thrilled that you're here. Will you come back? I would love to come back. You're such a pleasure to be with Kevin. Oh, <laughs> not everybody would have fall into that category. I can tell you that right now. But that's but that which is okay because we are we're all human and we all get to do what we choose to do. And this is, you know, I'm just fortunate. I, I, I cannot believe, just just I have to say, I cannot believe how lucky a man I am. Mm -hmm. Because I get to talk to people like you and people like uh, uh, Fia that I talked to the other day and, and so many others, Corey Allen, so many people that are really are trying to make. And one of the one of the gals that's a regular listener, she's listening now, her name's Susan. She's trying to make a, a difference in the world a positive difference that we can all live with. And for people that are willing to step out of your, of your cubicle, because you did <laughs> of, your, of your CPA cubicle and to write a book and, and to really, you, you're so, you're so calm and you're so easy to, to listen to. I would, I would love for you to voice your book and, uh, um, and because your voice is just tremendous. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you, you're just you're just special, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Kevin. It's 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 really is cool. It really is cool. So I made an agreement with you that we would only go like 45, 50 minutes. And now I see why <laughs> you wanted to ask because I could go two hours. I really could, but I'm not. I'm not going to put you through that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to ask you to take a couple of moments and to tell our audience anything that you'd like them to know. Mm, anything. So remember, my story is about letting go of the stories, the labels and judgments that don't serve us, right? So when we let go of those stories, labels and judgments, we see everything through the eyes of love or through the eyes of the creator, where there is absolutely no separation, Kevin. We are all one. 
I wish I'd have said that. That's really <laughs> we are, and and you know, I feel sorry that there are people that can't feel that way. Mm-hmm. That they're, you know, you 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 were talking a little bit earlier about we are all one. One of my favorite stories is I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. And before COVID, uh, we would get 60,000 people jammed into a stadium for one purpose only, and that was to cheer on the Seattle Seahawks. Everybody was together. Everybody was high-fiving. People were hugging each other. People were sharing beer. They were doing all kinds of fun stuff um, because they were they had a common purpose, a common goal, and that was to cheer on the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. As, long as, as long as they were in that stadium, they were all one. When they left the stadium, they left that feeling, that warm, fuzzy feeling behind of being all one and became separate again. Mm-hmm. And and if we could just capture that feeling and keep it, that we are all one, that we are all in this together, we would have, the world would be such a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So that, that let's see. Uh, oh, Susan says she was shown that we are all one. It was wild. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but that's <laughs> but that's that's cool. Judy, thank you for being here. It was an honor. It was a pleasure. And buy the book. Perfect. It's on Amazon. Um, you can go get it. Just uh, just look up Judy Miller, and it'll be right there. It's it's a great book. It's a great read, and I think it, it's well worth your time to do it are you uh, i have another just one more question i promise just one can i say one thing though yeah go ahead if you do buy the book please go back to my website because you are entitled to five free gifts so please take your free gifts (laughs) cool so buy the book and then go to the website and get your free gifts exactly oh that's that's really cool so when are you gonna when am i gonna see you in the northwest lecturing and talking about what you're talking about um, so I'm actually starting my own podcast and I do retreats. So I'm usually a guest on a summit or a retreat. If I would love to appear on your podcast, if you, I would be honored to do that. If you, Oh, if you, I would love that. Thank you for offering that. And anytime, anytime you want me there, I will be there. That's great. Cause I'm going to start asking you questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We can change the hot seat a little bit. I'm I'm much I'm much better as a host than I am as a guest. I'll tell you that right now. Um, well, that would be perfect. So thank you for that offer. Absolutely. And if you need any help getting it up or getting figuring out the technology or any of that stuff, uh, give me a call and we'll and I'll, I'll work you through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very generous of you. Thank you. But you probably already got a team assembled. You're you're a you're left brainer, so you got a team assembled. You've already got a business plan and, <laughs> and everything else done, right? Didn't you just say we had to be beings instead of doings? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but there's a there's you you have, are gifted in both. We'll just say that. <laughs> it's it's great fun. Thank you, thank you so much for being uh, with us today, and and. Uh, um, I, Judy Miller, I, I, I can't tell you enough. I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you, Kevin. You have a great day. You too. And everybody else have a great day too. If you want to hang out, I got to do this and I'll be right back. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember... Take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time.
on my independence report.